team, and thanks for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. We focus on real conversations and no-nonsense advice. And today with us, we have Jack McCall. He's a 27-year-old serial entrepreneur. He's built multiple six-figure businesses while he's traveling full-time. He's built businesses in e-commerce space, product, and experience. And right now, He's focused on helping other entrepreneurs to fix their credit and leverage their credit to make sure that they have enough funding to build the business of their dreams. During this episode, he'll share the tips on how he built his first businesses, how he scaled them, and how he sold them. Also, some of the challenges that he's facing every day in his life, some scheduling tips, and how he makes sure that every one of the ventures that he starts are bound to be successful. And with that, Let's jump right into the show. Uh, my name is Jack. I have created four six-figure businesses in the last five years. And the one that's really taken off right now, which is going to be my fifth very soon, is my consulting business. And basically in that business, I teach people on how to build their credit and get approved for maximum lines on the business card side. I basically have this new program where I yeah, dive deep into helping people become aware of what their credit looks like and what they can do to build it on the personal side to set the foundation up for the business side. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, or if you want to start a business, I think it's so important to do everything you can on your credit so you have access to more money. Because I found, you know, in my personal experience and with coaching dozens of people, you know, the more money you have to work with, it just dramatically increases your chance of success in business. I love it. And you're absolutely right. You know, good credit is uh, the most important thing right now because if you have good credit, you have access to money, you have access to cheaper money. And the cheaper the money is and the more you get, the more businesses you can build. The more you can borrow, the more you can make. And I always give this example. So if you have $20,000 of personal savings and you want to start a business, you know, you can either, you know, put that 20 grand into the business but then you don't have any of your money in stock market or long-term investments. But if your credit is good, you can borrow 20 grand or even more than 20 grand. But for the, for the example, borrow 20 grand at 0% interest through a business credit card and then put your personal savings, that 20 grand into the stock market or into crypto or into long-term investments. So now you have $40,000 working for you, 20 of that being at 0% interest. So because you have more money, working for you, you're going to be able to make more money. And so now that, you know, bring that on another level, if you're borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, it really, it starts to add up really fast. I love it. Okay. So let's jump into it. How did you start your first business? How did you come up with the other four? Tell us everything. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, in a nutshell, long story, I, I dove into business back in college. I studied business marketing at University of Washington. But even if you didn't go to college or you don't have a degree, I think that is, it's so unnecessary. I think it can help in some parts. I think college for me really only taught me, one, to be disciplined with time. It taught me how to teach myself and then you know, understand time and you really just can put in the effort to make things happen. And then, of course, the social dynamic of college. But back to answer your question. Um, so that's when I started business in college. Actually, the first two were products. So the first one is a hoverboard company. Me and my partner were the first US-based company to sell hoverboards. And so we were first to market. We sold them for a, a very high premium because we partnered with very famous influencers at the time. And we had content. So 
we had a, a premium product that went super well for about a year, almost did a deal with Mark Cuban that unfortunately fell through. Um, once the fad after the hoverboard craze kind of went down, my business partner and I, Jared Getz, actually, who's famous in the Shopify e-commerce space, we went to China to find a second product. Similar story, we, we were first to market with a very hot product that we called the Dumbo Lounge Sack. It was like those big inflatable loungers, that music fests that you lay on, kind of like an air hammock. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were first to market in the States with that product. Um, we sold tens of thousands of those at music festivals, online through Facebook ads. We had really good content. I was always so in love with making content and just branding things super well. So that was a major advantage for us. But it was cool because we always we thought like, you know, people can use them at music festivals. So partnered with as many music festivals as we could. And that was a, a big for us. Going into my third one, this was uh, something I, I completely started as a side hustle just because I love traveling. I love Cabo. But basically, we started, my brother and I, Ted McCall, we started to organize Cabo spring break trips for university students, mainly on the West Coast. And like I said, it was a complete side hustle, small, very, very small project. It ramped up over a couple of years. So the third year we were doing it, it ramped to about 350 students that year paying about $1,500 to come on our trip. So put things together like the hotel contracts, the flights, the entertainment, the food. And then we were down there, you know, personally showing people time. And, um, so like fire festival, but going right. <laughs> yeah. Going right. Yeah, for sure. So we you know, put, put everything together and showed these students an amazing time and took a lot of market share from our competitor at the time, which was called uh, just college. And company from the UK came in called Verve, who later rebranded as Pollen. And Pollen told Just College to acquire a couple of different companies in the space. And so our company was one of those companies that they wanted to acquire. So they reached out to us. We negotiated over a couple months. And then we ended up uh, making a six-figure acquisition deal. I love it. Okay. So that's super exciting. And all this product. Okay. First of all, two product companies, one experience company, I would say. How did you come up with the products? Like, how did you know that hoverboards are going to be cool or they were cool? Where did you find the trends? I mean, the first one is hoverboards. You know, so you see a two wheel self balancing scooter and you've never seen one before. You know, that, that kind of blows people's mind. My friend had a connection on importing them from China. And at the time, I had like 15,000 followers. It was like, you know, kind of a lot, like, you know, six, five years ago. And he was like, yo, Jack, how can I, how can we sell? We want to sell them for a thousand dollars, sell a thousand of them. And that's a million dollars. So how do we make a million dollars? And so we just kind of became business partners after that point, because it was just, we had so much good, good ideas. But for the second one, it was funny because my mom sent me a video of this European company that came out with uh, something similar. It was like an inflate lounger that you don't need a pump for. And like just released in Europe. And we were at this huge Chinese trade, like the, it's called the Canton Fair, the biggest yep. uh, trade show in the world. And we saw a manufacturer that was making them. We're like, holy cow, this just came, this idea just came out in Europe. We've never seen it in the US. Now we're here at this trade show and this manufacturer can make them. We're like, this is, this is a no brainer. Let's, we, we bought 400 on the spot, um, shipped them to the States and we just started shooting tons of promo. So it's just the fact that like we've never seen it ever in the states before, and we had the plug in front of us, so we're like, okay, this just makes sense. We have to do it. 
Okay, but first of all, you ended up at a Canton Fair. A lot of people don't know what it is, and it's like um, Canton Fair, I think it's twice a year, and it's the largest uh, fair in China where every manufacturer that's out there is there presenting what they do. And unless you really know what you're looking for, like it's massive. You can't really just be like, oh, I'm just going to walk around for a day and find it. No, like you have to be specific because it's massive because I have a bunch of friends who go there every year. Like you really got to narrow down your focus. So what were you looking for there? Yeah, I mean, so the game plan, I mean, you're right. It is massive and you, you should have a strategy for sure. We did not really have a plan much at all. Our only plan was to try to find another rideable product that was similar to Glider because we had like the brand. It was an awesome brand. So we wanted to find another rideable product that people could you know, ride, use for transportation or whatever. Um, we kind of had a hard time finding something that made sense to us price point and it's something that was like had that wow factor i think everything we found it wasn't breakthrough enough for us to commit on so then we thought about starting a headphone company and like pairing up with other influencers and like that we got pretty fired up on the yeah, it didn't quite stick by the end and then it was like the last day of the second week it was basically like our last day of going to the fair that's when we came across this new product and we're like thinking like, okay, this is, this is breakthrough. We, we should do this one. And so we bought 400 on the spot. Okay. Amazing. So the hoverboard, inflatable lounger, then any other exciting ideas that didn't work out that you were like, oh, we really were excited about. We put all the money and energy and it didn't work. As far as a product, no, but after we stole the travel company, a little bit after that, we, my brother and I moved to Bali and started an Airbnb short-term rental business. So basically what we did, we rented three villas for a year long for each of them. And then we hired a team of Indonesians to essentially run the company for us, like, you know, people to clean, people to do the communication, you know, pretty much, you know, automate it as much as possible. That was from December, 2019 until February, March of 2020 which then COVID broke out, right? So uh, it didn't last very long. However, it was on track to do exceptionally well, but COVID and happened. And it was minimum, I guess, energy and time spent from you. Once it's set up, you don't really have to do much. Exactly. So, so that was the goal. The only negative, actually like the, the main negative, is we had to pay all the rent up front for these three villas. So all the money's up front, you know, terrible for cash flow. Uh, it was going, we were like on track to triple our investment. Then uh, COVID broke out. So I love how, how gritty and hustly you are. It's just all these ideas. And you're just like, I got to create something. I got to make something. I can't stay still. So then what led you to the credit idea? I assume they're related, but how did you come up with it? Yeah. I mean, like through business, like it's a couple of big things I, I give success to is like the ability to borrow money to scale the businesses. So in, like, in all the businesses, we had credit cards, we were you know, racking them out on inventory and then using that to go you know, sell the products. And so that, to, to help out with cash flows, you need that financial cushion to invest in the things that you think is going to make an ROI. And like in the travel company, for example, we um, had like a $50,000 line of credit to purchase the hotel inventory that we needed to sell. If we weren't able to get that money, it would have been almost impossible to compete with our competitor. Um, and would have put us in a much less favorable position for the acquisition. So I think just like mainly the principle of having the access to a lot of money to put into your business was a game changer for us. And you know, I started to post about 
you know, whatever success I've seen in business and people would ask, you know, like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? And, you know, the one thing that it always kind of pointed to is like the ability to borrow low interest money. And what that means is like you have good credit, people trust you, you have relationships with key lenders, and then you can take advantage of these relationships and, you know, borrow money and then, you know, return it after X period of time. And then, you know, then do it again. And so the most recent six-figure business was an e-commerce store. And basically, I've, I've used um, a good portion of, of my business credit to fueling this store. So basically, it's, it's an Amazon e-commerce store, and it's scaled to $200,000 in revenue in the third month. And it's simply not possible to do something like that if you don't Crazy. have the credit. So that, that's always just like the staple. It's quite a long process to establish your personal credit. But that's the foundation. So once your foundation is set, there's so much you can do on the business side. And the business side is it's different because the business cards don't report to your personal credit. And so what that means is the utilization and the account doesn't show up on your personal credit. So um, when you get approved for, say, for example, $200,000 on the business side and actually use that money on your business, it doesn't negatively affect your credit score whatsoever. And so like just in the last 12 months, I've got a proof for about $250,000 in credit lines and I maintain an 805 credit score across all three bureaus and I'm using 90% of that money. So if you think about the same thing on the personal side, if you're using 90% of the money, that's going to be 90% utilization and that's going to tank your score. So that's why it's so important to build your personal credit, optimize it so it's a nice thick file, then go to the business side and then you can actually use that money and it won't affect your credit score. That is amazing. I, lo- I love I love this because I don't think a lot of people understand how it works and everybody thinks that, oh, well, you have a good credit score, you just get a credit card and you get a mortgage and you get a house and that's how you live and that's not the case. So hold on, Amazon store, what are you selling now? It's all household items and it's, it's cool too because like- Items, a, how many items? Um, I actually, I don't know. So basically- <laughs> I'm just a partner on the store. I fund the store because I have insanely high credit lines. And then I have a team that finds the most profitable products, lists those products to my store, does all the fulfillment, does all the customer service, all the returns, everything except funding it. And so that's where my credit cards come in, my lines of credit come in. So it's drop shipping. So I only purchase the product um, once the customer purchases it from my store. So, you know, say person, buys the product from my store, the virtual assistant then buys that product from my supplier on my credit card and then ships it to the customer. And then I get paid out about two weeks later. Okay. So then how do you find a team who is exceptional at managing the process, finding product? That is a very good question. And there's a lot of people in the space that um, don't do it very good. When I started my stores, I started my stores with a different management company. And basically over some time, I found a better management company. And so I made the decision to them, but it's a tough space. I think with with that business model, it can be hit or miss. Some people will get their store suspended for some reasons. Other people won't. So it's a really good question. If If anyone's interested in that business model, that's the question you should be asking for sure. Okay. So I guess now that you're helping people uh, to fix their credit, that's the new venture. That's what you're focusing on. And how's that going? 
It's going great. I, I, so I just launched the program within the last month and it is hitting hard. I've, all, I've already increased my price twice. A lot of people see the value you know, making such a massive impact in people's lives. You know, these are people that they want to start a business or they have a business, but they just don't have the money to actually make it happen on either starting it or scaling it. So they join my program and I fast track them on getting the business funding that they need for their business. And I have a, just a very simple clear cut game plan to walk them through on like going through the steps on the personal side of personal relationships at the four of the top five banks. So like Amex, Chase, Bank of America and U.S. Bank. So I'll connect my students with these individuals when they do their business card applications. And when they work with these relationship managers of mine, it's almost guaranteed success. And so it's the fastest process possible to run through your credit and get approved for maximum limits. Amazing. So then it only works with the U.S. citizens or can you help everyone across the board around the world? Mainly U.S. Anyone with a social security number or an ITIN Basically, like the U.S. credit system is really on another level compared to any other country. That's what I've specifically mastered. I think the strategies can apply to different countries, like you know, the Canada and the U.K. countries like that. But the specifics are very U.S. focused. But Canada has American Express, which is great. So I, I think, like like I said, the same strategies will apply. But maybe like because the banks are different, the rules might vary just a little bit. And the relationships that you're offering with those banks are obviously going to be different because they're not going to be your relationships. So that's probably also where the value is, your share in your personal network. Now, does it matter what kind of business people are trying to start? Like, I assume somebody's trying to do an Amazon store, they're looking for money for their Shopify store. What if they're trying to do like a personal brand, I don't know, consulting something, would they still be able to get money for their business? Yes. So the the four things that lenders are looking at when you apply for a card, business card, is your what your personal credit looks like, what your business type is, the estimated revenue on the business, and the relationship you have with the bank. So all four are, are very, very important. So back to your question like you know, about the business type, even if it's a new business, as long as it's a business type that has a low overhead. And so what I mean by that, like a consulting company or an e-commerce company, you know, those are companies known to have low overhead compared to like, you know, a retail outlet or a restaurant, you know, things like that. But you know, there's there's actually ways around it. So you can start a brand new consulting company, fund that consulting company, and then loan the money to your other company that you actually need the money for. So then with your brand or company that you're building, how does it work in terms of, I guess, the amount of money you're going to get approved for and how can you get the maximum amount? What, it, what is the secret? Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what I run my students through. And I think like the fundamentals of that is what does your personal credit file look like? And this is in terms of how many accounts do you have? What's your utilization at? What, how many hard inquiries you have? And then you know, what the age on your accounts are and how to add accounts with higher age. And then what your, your relationship looks like at each of these lenders. So it's really good to start the relationships as soon as possible. And even if you're late to the game, there's things you can do to expedite on how to build a strong relationship. And like relationship, you mean opening like a savings account, checking account, or like what is the relationship? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends bank to bank because they all have different rules. And specifically because of COVID, those things change. But things like having the personal cards help, things like having the bank accounts help, both on the personal and the business side, and then ultimately connecting with my relationship managers who you have a conversation with and they can actually put the applications in. Now, does your business have to have revenue or can it be like a new store looking for a credit card? Like, what would you recommend? Wait until you have some revenue or just go right in? Go right in. If your personal credit is good, yeah. I keep saying, but it's the staple, it's the foundation. That is the requirement for going to business credit. So once your personal credit is good, multiple accounts, utilization is low, and you have a good relationship with the banks, then you're ready. Even if it's a brand new business and you have a, it, it's the right business type and you, you're applying in the right way, either like in branch or on the phone, you should be set up for success. They know that a lot of businesses are starting. They know it's just an estimated revenue figure. But as long as the business type is right, you know, obviously if you're starting a restaurant in 2020, you know, what bank is going to want to fund a restaurant in 2020? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot tougher than a consulting company. So those are just things to, to take into consideration. But the personal credit is the most important thing. I like it. Thank you for sharing the secrets because I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, even if you start a business super early and right off the bat, you can go and apply for credit and it makes a huge difference because usually people bootstrap with their own money, which obviously overutilizes their credit cards, which obviously tanks their credit score and it just doesn't help. And so I love what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, like another big portion of, of kind of what you just said, I kind of mentioned earlier is when you have personal savings, I think it makes so much more sense to put the personal savings into longer term investments like the stock market, crypto and long term real estate, when you can then borrow money for free through 0% business cards. And then even if you need the 0% money for longer than that first 12 to 18 months, you can then balance transfer to a different card and get another 12 to 18 months. But it all comes down to, is your personal credit good enough to keep applying for cards? And um, that's, you know, that's really what I, I coach people on is making sure you know, they're, they're in the best position possible to do all of that. Um, and actually, I have um, a free course as well. Uh, it's a 10 video free course. It's actually super, super, super valuable. It, it's impacting a lot of people and kind of opening their eyes to see what's possible with credit um, and some really tangible things that they can take from that course and start implementing immediately. Where so, do we find the course? Um, yeah. So if you want to go to my Instagram page, which yeah. is Jack McCall, J-A-C-K-M-C-C-O-L-L, and then just DM me close friends, close space friends. I will add you to my close friends and there's going to be a swipe up link on my stories for my close friends. So DM me close friends and I'll get you that access. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. Now, I guess jumping into Instagram. So you've grown your account, you're traveling around the world, you're starting companies. How A, you find time. How do you find balance? I love working. I love what I do and I love providing value to people through business. And so like when I have something like for, you know, for this, for example, of building people's credit, you know, that's really making a massive impact in people's lives. So that to me is extreme fulfilling. So when I wake up every day, it's like, yes, I work on my project. I get to help people, help people make money. I love doing that. I also love traveling. So that, that's also a motivation for me, you know, to do as well in business as I can so I can create financial freedom so I can just continue traveling with the people that I want to spend time with. And then, you know, when I do have like the time off, 
I do things like skydive. I would say go to concerts, but that's not really happening with COVID. I really like to stay as, as focused as possible. I really don't like to waste time. So, um, you know, in the mornings I'll go, I'll get some exercise then I'll work for the most of the day. I'll make sure I'm eating super good. So like I feel as good as possible. And then I don't watch any, you know, content that's distracting me, only content that's benefiting my life. Uh, I'm pretty strict on that. And so then, no TikTok cat videos, n- none of that. N- none of those. <laughs> yeah, I actually really try to limit my time on Instagram towards the things that, that aren't teaching me things. And even like when I'm cooking food or on walks, like I'm always listening to a podcast. If I'm brushing my teeth, I'll have like a YouTube video playing that's educating me on something. You know, I, I love learning. I love just pushing myself to the next level. What and kind I of podcast are you listening to? Or what do you usually consume on YouTube? Because that's also very important. Yeah. So on, on Spotify, I love um, Ed Milet has an awesome podcast yeah. where he interviews awesome entrepreneurs. NPR, how he built this. That is the, probably my all-time favorite. I've listened to almost every one of those. Tom Bilyeu, Impact Theory. That one's really good. Uh, those are probably my, my top three. And then Jay Shetty's pretty solid on personal development relationships. And then YouTube videos. I watch a lot of YouTube videos um, on credit and travel and like credit card points. Like the points guy is pretty good. Just anything kind of in my space where I can kind of pick up some new strategies here and there as I go. I'm always trying to improve, get better at my craft. So I'm just pumping content in every day. Incredible. So, okay. Let's dial back. When you were in school, did you ever think, okay, I'm going to get a nine to five. I'm going to live in one place. I'm going to buy a house and like travel for two weeks out of the year. <laughs> and that is going to be life. No, I've never thought of it. That's not for me. That's not for me. I think for some people that like stability, that might be for them. And that's totally fine. You know, whatever makes you super happy. But for me, there was a lot more to life than that. So I love being, I guess it's a little bit risky, you know, like having an idea and then believing in it as much as possible and then diving in where it takes risk, like, you know, to drop everything you're doing and start this new business idea. It's hard. It's scary. It's hard. It's, you get nervous. It's just, it's super hard. Business is very challenging. So I like the challenges though. So I think, um, you just got to do it. The more you risk it, the better the reward's going to be, you know, that's why people love getting into business because the reward from it can be so great. And, and the opportunities to learn are also so much greater because every challenge that you do, like you learn just so much. You basically get an MBA every time you build a business, scale a business or fail at a business. Exactly. Even failures. Like, you know, when I was telling the story about the Bali business, like every time I tell it, I, I find myself laughing because it's just, you know, failures happen and every failure you have you're stronger because of it. You really have to appreciate them so much, almost even like more than the successes sometimes. You got to do it and just, it's so cliche to say this, but you have to find something you love to do because it will get so hard where you have to love it or your life's going to suck. So, you know, just really find something that you enjoy doing, even on the down days. You know, it gets hard at times, but, you know, things that you can power through and, and still feel good about. I like that you mentioned, you know, it's going to get hard because that's the, the sexy stuff that we don't see on your Instagram. Like we get the travels, the stuff, but like the hardest days where things just not going as planned, the businesses are failing. And, you know, I'm sure you have those days, maybe weeks, maybe hours where it's just everything going wrong. How do you deal with that? Like, what's your secret? You just got to look at the big picture and you got to understand that shit happens and it's business. <laughs> 
and it's hard and it's hard for anyone in business. So if you're going to be successful, you have to go through these challenges. Um, I'll bring up two examples that were super challenging for me. Um, in my travel company, the week after we invested $50,000 up front in hotel inventory, there was some gang violence in Cabo and there was a, a level three travel warning that the US government issued to that same state we were trying to send travelers to. And so level three travel warning, it, actually, it made it super difficult. It made it super, super difficult to sell trips to. But our only option was just to keep doing what we were doing. Like we had no other option, just put down 50K. You know, what is this going to help us just be emotional and be upset? And then, you know, then what? Like our only option was to sell more rooms. So we just had to do it. And, you know, we, we got through it, woke up at like 5 a.m. every day and just crushed it. It was really hard, but we did it. And just the other week ago, like I had a problem with my payment processor and, you know, I'm, I'm closing clients, you know, high, high ticket clients to join my program. And after I get like, you know, a solid amount in the door, my payment processor says like, oh, actually we couldn't verify your account or your service or something. We actually just refunded all your clients. And I'm just like, no, are you kidding me? I just busted my ass this whole week to, to close everyone and you're just going to refund them like that. So that happened. And uh, fortunately, I, I reached out to everyone and explained the situation and you know, got them to sign up with them, my different payment processor. No problem. But you know, it's like, that's, that was like a lot of money in the door, a lot of money out of the door real quick. So it was not fun for like a day. But you just got to understand like, you know, that kind of stuff will happen and you just have to, you just have to figure it out. Business is about figuring it out and problem solving. So the bigger the problem you're solving, the more rewarded you're going to be. And the more problems you solve, the more rewarded you're going to be. I love it. And you just got to get thick skin. It's just, it's just got to happen. Otherwise you're probably not built for it. Okay. So your opinion, do you think entrepreneurs are made or do you think entrepreneurs are born? I think they're made. I think a lot of them do it. I think it really comes, comes down discipline and putting in the time. As I kind of mentioned in my college experience, that's what college taught me was how to be disciplined with time. And, you know, I see a lot of people that they, when they have a boss, they'll work for six hours straight. But when they don't have a boss, they won't be their own boss and work for six hours straight on their own, on their own shit, right? So they have this boss telling them what to do. They'll do that for six hours, even though they're not getting paid that much. But on a Sunday, you know, they don't have the discipline to be their own boss and work on their own product or own project for that six hours, right? Because they don't have the discipline to tell themselves, I need to do this because I want this outcome. So if the discipline is there, I think anyone can do it. In terms of you building that discipline, how did you get where you are? Like, was it something you did in childhood? Was it something you, you did in university to get where you are with the discipline and grit and perseverance and all this attitude? about building something new and excitement for life. And every time you wake up, it's an exciting new day to build stuff. Yeah, Maria, you have great questions. I love it. I studied a lot of successful entrepreneurs through books, YouTube videos, podcasts. To hear other stories from other entrepreneurs was extremely motivating to me. And that's why I love NPR, how I built this because he just interviews entrepreneurs talking about their entire story. And it, it was so relatable, like going through all this crap, all these stupid problems that entrepreneurs have to go through. So I think hearing about it from other now very successful entrepreneurs going through their story was super impactful. 
And then you know, my, my dad was an awesome figure in all this too. He's super motivating. He had his own small business, still does. Um, it's not like you know, exceptionally successful, but it's successful enough to create you know, pretty decent freedom in his life. And that's what he prized most is his freedom to you know, hang out with his family, go on family vacations and, you know, own a house in a, a cool place and just, you know, be able to water ski on the lake that he has a cabin on as well. You know, so like simple things, but to see that dedication and grind to make that happen for him and his family was super, super inspiring. So I think just watching other people's success and kind of hearing about how they did it and hear about the challenges that they overcame to make that happen was super impactful for me. I love it. And so your dad, considering he's a business owner, he is an entrepreneur himself, he loves to hustle. Are they supportive or were they supportive when you started your first company out of college? Like what were, were there any expectations from you once you graduated? Yeah. Funny. Cause when I graduated, I actually started working, um, like right when I graduated, I moved to Stevens pass snowboard resort and I was like working minimum wage in the ski rental department. So that, that was actually like right before those business ventures I started to go. So when I graduated college, I literally had zero plan. I moved to the ski resort. I was getting paid minimum wage in ski rentals. So they weren't particularly happy with that, but they knew I loved snowboarding. So they're like, and I was actually pretty good at snowboarding. So they were, they were really pushing it. But for the income wise, it wasn't looking that good. Then I got connected with Yik Yak, the social media app that was popular like five years ago. I did some video work for them. And then through that opportunity, I met Jared, who I did the hoverboards with. So I love how your parents were like, mm, not why we sent you to school to work at a, you know, just for minimum wage snowboarding, but it all worked out. It all worked out. And I, it was tough because some of my classmates were getting these jobs for like $80,000 salaries. And I'm like, not doing that at all. So it was tough, but I knew I was going to be successful. I knew I had it in me and I knew I developed the discipline. So it just kind of came down to execution and just, and staying focused, just getting something you want to do, staying focused on that and then executing and then doing it over and over and over and being consistent. So, you know, work on that every single day, whether it be an hour, 30 minutes, six hours or more, you know, at least it's every single day. And then you'll kind of develop the habits of like, okay, that's what you're doing. And then you're going to consistently get better at it. I love it. So then I guess now that you are, you're very successful, you've built businesses before you, you know what you're doing. Do you see a trend coming up in 2021 that you're like, yeah, doing that. This is my next one. A new trend? No, but I an do old trend. I do see a trend with banks being more hard to borrow from. And so with that being said, it's making dialing in your personal credit as important as ever, essentially, because it's getting harder and harder and harder to borrow money. So it's, it's you know, harder to get this money to grow and scale your business. So I think people should be working on their credit more than ever. Um, but in terms of, you know, something I'd recommend to someone else, I think information consulting, I think information, especially with how virtual we all need to be, I think, you know, developing and mastering a craft and then being able to have an online course and or a mentorship coaching program where you can teach someone on how to you know do that much quicker than if they were to learn it by themselves. Well, I mean, one, that's what I'm doing and it's been super impactful. And two, 
I'm also consistently investing into my education as well through different mentors um, and different programs to learn a variety of different things. So I'm big on investing into education and investing into someone that has done exactly what I want because I think that's the best way to learn. You know, from someone that has literally done exactly what you want to do and, you know, he just did it or they just did it. So it makes sense to invest in that. So if, if there's anyone that's listening to this and they're not going to college or didn't go to college, think about investing into a mentor, someone that has a coaching program that, you know, is teaching something that you want to do. Because I think that's such an amazing way to pick up knowledge, learn how to do something. Do you recommend any course or specific mentor? Maybe some courses that you've taken and you're like, yeah, that was good. It really just depends on what they're trying to do. If they're a course creator, yeah, I mean, my friend Jay Jones who helped me put everything I just put together, he's been a, a massive game changer. So if you, if you guys are a course creator and you're looking to absolutely blow everything up, that just shoot me DM on Instagram, Jack McCall. Um, I'll connect you to Jay Jones who has been in, incredibly helpful on everything I've been doing. Um, but from that, I think, um, you know, just try to think about the people who you follow on Instagram that teach you the most and try to think about those subjects that inspire you the most and then find those pacemakers, those, you know, the people that lead the pack in that niche and then invest and you'll start learning and then start applying. So that's what I, I love it. Thank you. Okay. Question. How do you pick the right partner? I mean, you've partnered with people in your businesses and your previous businesses. How do you know that they are the right person? You got to follow your gut. You got to make sure they're honest. That's like my biggest thing is trust in any relationship. And if ever the trust is broken, yeah, it's a serious thing, right? So looking at their track record, looking at how they just interact with people throughout the day, you know, just a variety of different people, how they interact with other people and what trust level you have with them. And then also when you're making a contract with, with partners, you got to make sure your deliverables or their deliverables are extremely clear. Obviously like from the beginning, it can kind of be not very clear. You can just try to figure it out and then it makes sense to do um, a contract later. But you know, you want to be very clear with communication on like, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this but maybe this we'll kind of figure out and talk about at a later point, but the more communication, the better. No, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So how have you been managing COVID downturn? Like it's been seven, eight months almost. I mean, us had a bunch of issues and I mean, I know you're traveling, but personally, how has it been and what were your tips for dealing with all the instability? Yeah. I mean, I've just been powering through, I've been traveling throughout it and I've been doing that to isolate myself in different locations. Like I did Hawaii and then Arizona, Washington, Tulum, Cabo. And I would just get a house or an apartment or villa and just grind for you know that extended period of time. I think it's such a great opportunity to just put your head down and then focus on what you want to do. So I love just switching up the destination. I was just in Cabo for like three weeks and I had this awesome condo that I got like a 50% discount. So yeah, so because of COVID, you can go travel and get fat discounts everywhere. So I, I think take advantage. I don't want to say anything too uh, controversial, but I think COVID's pretty exaggerated. Obviously, it's, it's a serious deal, but um, as long as you're taking the precautions and being safe, I think um, don't fear it. I think, you know, go do your thing, go see the world as much as your passport you will let you. You can still explore safely and that's what you're doing. You're still traveling, yeah. but just in a safe manner. I, I like it. So then yeah. when you are going to a different city in your country, how much actually do you work per day, per week? Like, is it like a four hour, 
stint mm-hmm. per, per day that you're working or are you actually dialed in for 12 hours? It really depends at the stage of my businesses. Like when I was in Kaaba, I was working the majority of days. My girlfriend had to like pull me off my computer to go grab dinner and do some fun stuff. But I just love, love working. Um, but other times like in Tulum, we had quite a bit of fun. It does vary. But I think it comes down to the stage of your business. And if you have something that's like about to hit hard, like, you know, it, it makes sense to put in the hours right now and then try to think about how to automate certain things of your business, you know, hiring certain people that can take over maybe the communication, maybe some coaching, maybe, you know, the, the sales on the phone or, you know, try to think about every part of your business and try to think about how to automate that, whether it's like hiring a virtual assistant in the Philippines, whether it's hiring, you know, someone in the U.S. to do this or whatever. But you know, try to think about how to remove yourself from the business as much as possible so you can work on the business, not in the business. That makes I sense. love it. So do you have a personal assistant or do you have personal assistant team? I have a partner on this project. I have a phone closer and I have virtual assistants and I have a girlfriend. Love which it. She is extremely helpful with everything. Of course. So I guess question would be, how do you make sure that your relationship with your closest ones, your girlfriend, your partner is the best one and you maintain it as you work and hustle and travel? That, I mean, it's very hard. You got to know when to, to not push things or to push things, but you, you got to be very you know, tender with relationships like those. It can be tough for sure. Any it, secrets it, to a successful relationship or you're supposed to do, not supposed to do? <laughs> no, honestly, I don't, I don't have any advice on that. Just thought, you know what? Maybe you know everything. <laughs> okay, another question I had, Instagram. I mean, a lot of people are now saying how hard it is to scale because obviously the algorithm is changing. A lot more companies are coming into the mix. You've grown your, obviously, page to a large amount. It's 120,000 followers or more. How did you do it? Any tips, any secrets, any suggestions? Yeah, I think a couple tips I have is just being as consistent as possible with good content, using very strategic hashtags, um, up to 30 of them in every single one of your posts, and also getting people to engage on your stories as much as possible. So you want to use all of the features on your stories, like the little slidey thing, like poll, ask people questions, you know, get them to engage as much as possible. You know, ask questions, do surveys, do polls, and even in your comments on your Instagram posts, you know, end it with a question. You know, if it's like a skydiving post that I'll post, it's like, you know, it's here's me in San Diego skydiving. Um, would you go skydive with me? You know, that that's making it so much easier for people to comment. And the more comments you have, you know, it's obviously more engagement and Instagram is going to show you to more people. I had a skydive reel I posted about two months ago and it ended up getting featured on the explore page and got 3 million views because of it. So it was a short video, a really good song. It was a really engaging caption. And then I used very strategic hashtags, which hashtags are super important. And then it got enough attention in the first like couple of days, then it got featured and then it just it blew up. But I think just trying to find ways to have your following engage with you as much as possible. And also to comment on people's stuff, like people's stuff, because when you're doing that, when you're giving, you're gonna receive a lot more too. I kind of go in a, in, a, in a series, a revolving series of like RVL. So results, value, lifestyle. And so with, like, with my business, like personal brand business, it's like results. So I'm showing my results or I'm showing my students' results. And then value 
is I'm educating. So I'm teaching people things, um, giving them valuable content that they can take and then, you know, use in their life. And then lifestyle is just kind of, you know, showing my lifestyle and uh, kind of go in the circle of that. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Results, value, lifestyle. I think everybody should adopt that. Okay. So then do you manage your Instagram yourself or do you have a team and how often do you post? Yeah. So I do manage all of it. The only thing I'm about to outsource is when people DM me either like close friends or biz for my ads, then they'll get either added to my close friends immediately or I'll, if they come from an ad and say biz, because I say like, if you want to grow your business, blah, 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 DM me biz and I'll show you how. And then I'll send them a message. They go to my landing page. Anyways, I'll have a virtual assistant to send those messages automatically for me. Um, but I do everything else. I do all the storing, all the posting, everything else. I really try to post as much as I can. Every day is the goal, but I'm, uh, I can't keep up with that especially with how much I work. When, when I travel, my stories get more views, my posts get more likes, but the constant working affects that a little bit. And so when I have content creation opportunities, I make sure to really go hard on like, you know, getting as many photos I can so I can use over the next month. You know what I mean? So when you have those opportunities on content creation, definitely take advantage. If you have a friend with a good camera, you know, go the extra mile to say, Hey, can you, get a quick photo of me and then do that in a couple different areas, maybe even a couple different outfits. So you have good photos to post on downtimes, like when you're working. I love this. Thank you so much. So much value. Okay. So every guest who comes on the show, I ask a millennial is a millennial should be and a millennial is not. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. A millennial is someone who grinds. Love it. A millennial should be. A millennial should be chasing their dreams every day. Ah, oh, amazing. And a millennial is not? A millennial is not weak. Ah, yes, absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to share that I might have not asked about or should have asked? No, I don't think so, Maria. You had fantastic questions. And I, I think if I had anything else to say, it's like advice. It's, it's to work on your credit. It's to you know build that as much as possible because... You're going to get so much. You're going to get top travel cards. So you travel for free. You get access for money for your business. There is so much. If you're watching this all the way to the end, you're probably pretty interested in my story and like, you know, what I, what I do. I would highly recommend to DM me close friends. I'll add you to my close friends list where I post exclusive content there. And there's also going to be a swipe up link to get my free 10 video course where I talk all about personal credit, business credit, travel secrets, um, a lot of really good stuff. So definitely check it out. It's a free course. And then um, if you're you know, interested in, in the, the full paid coaching program, um, there's links on there to hop on the phone with me. So yeah, uh, thank you everyone for watching. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Maria, for having me. It's been uh, quite an awesome time. Thank you, Jack. You've been fantastic. Where do people find you other than Instagram? Do you have a website that they should go on and just send you all the messages, check out all the products and things that you're doing? The main thing is Instagram. I do have a website as well. So Instagram is Jack McCall. The website is thefoundationalances.com. You can also find on my Instagram. So I would just say go to my Instagram. You'll see it's there. I have tons of stuff from value stuff on my stories, articles, and like Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg. I have a Forbes one coming soon. So go to my Instagram, check it out. Give me a follow, shoot me a DM, say what up. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Jack. You've been amazing.